Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and various Sage Institute colleague at Class. On today's show, folks, we're going to look at negative and positive rights. And Ed, I've been talking about this topic for a long time. We've had it on our list, and we're finally getting to it. So I'm. I was thinking the same thing. We must have had this on our list. It's got to be five years, maybe longer. It may go back even longer than that. And it's, it, it's, it's one of those things that we kept kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road, but I'm glad we're finally doing it. Yeah, it, it came out of an article that Trevor Burris uh, wrote for FEE, Foundation of Educa- uh, Economics Education, Is Healthcare a Human Right? And of course, that'll be a subtext of what we talk about uh, through his article, but it's not the only thing. I mean, we're also going to talk globally about the difference between negative and positive rights. But healthcare is a great example because, uh, as uh, uh, as Greg just informed us, when you type that into Google, no, 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 became, AI, uh, AI, AI ChatGPT, yeah, and that is healthcare a human right? Question mark. It said yes, <laughs> of course it is, <laughs> and uh, we're going to try and say no, it's really not. So it should be interesting. Well, the the first thing we have to do is d- define rights. You know, that's that's really the issue. Absolutely, is to try to understand because one, it, once we get past, because I think a, a lot of this, and we're going to talk negative versus positive rights. But um, you know, what do we mean when we say rights? I, and I say saying something is a right describes a relationship. That's what's imp- important, but between us and something else, and the obligations between those. I think that's the best way to talk about it. A right, right is a relationship because. Someone on a desert island, they can claim the right to life, <laughs> but, right. but the tiger doesn't have to listen. It's, it's right. really right. That's right. <laughs> they can also claim a right to medical care, but that's not going to make it, you know, appear magically. <laughs> right. Um, Correct. And this article by Trevor Burris and Trevor, uh, and I don't know if he's still at Cato or not. I think he is, but he used to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, him and his co-host, whose name escapes me, Adam, something, I think, um, they both majored in philosophy. So the other thing, rereading this at after, and this did come out in uh, 17. So you're right. We've had this in the stack for about six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and this reminded me also of Peter Block's book, um, you know, Confronting Our Freedom, uh, where philosophy uses a different language. It's not utilitarian. It's not consequentialist. Um, it, it goes to first principles and it just has a, a different way of framing issues like this. And I just thought that was really interesting. And of course, I'm really curious to see how you're going to tie this to business um, because we <laughs> talked about doing that as well. But um, anyway, I guess we should just dive in. Where do you want to start with his article? Well, I, I actually want to start a, just a, a level above that and just talk about this notion of negative rights versus positive rights. This is in the article, too, but I'm, I'm actually pulling more from from different sources on this. That So the, the way that I think it's best described is that a negative rights are rights that either that, that, that 
include inaction on the part of nobody, somebody else, right? So my right to life cr- creates a right for you, Ron, not to kill me. So, right. So you, that so so that creates a duty, I should say, duty. for you for you not to kill me. So that's why it's called a negative right. This is, gets really confusing because people think, well, negative right that must be mean it's bad. No, it's, it's terrible, not. Yeah. It's not that it's bad. It it's just that it's described as that right is only there be, because of something that of inaction on the part of somebody else, whereas a positive right requires an action, i.e., a duty on the part of someone else to to make to bring it to fruition. So if you go through and you think about it, most of the rights that we have classically thought of. Of political rights, freedom of speech, life, liberty, property from violent crime, protection against being defrauded, religion, habeas corpus, fair trial, the right to not to be enslaved by another. Those would all be examples of negative rights because they don't require require any action on the other side. In fact, they re- require inaction, <laughs> part of it, a part of another. Right, right. The way he says it, he says nature, the nature of the corollary duty is what distinguishes positive rights from negative ones. Mm-hmm. For negative rights, the corollary duty is an omission. Uh, you, we, we refrain from things. Don't steal. Don't punch people. Don't kill. For a positive right, the corollary duty is a duty of action. I have to provide food, health care, resources, that type of thing. Um And the way I used to explain this, uh, because I teach ethics, and this is, you know, section of that is my right to free speech doesn't mean you have to listen to me. You have no duty or, you know, I I can't impose on you an action that you have to listen to me. Right. And we can both hold negative rights at the same time without interfering with one another at all. Correct. Correct. Yes. The negative rights, the positive rights are not. Now, I think also he points out in this article, and I think it's it's really is that this this notion of them being rights is a synonym for important. So we we're trying to say, well, I have a I have a right to, you know, clean water. Well, that's important. I'm not saying that clean water isn't important for you. But the question then becomes is, is it a right? For yes. Clean water. So. Yeah. And like you say, that comes from duties and, and, uh, you know, and, or actions. And then what I really, really loved about this article, and this is what happens. I think when you go deep into philosophy, you get into these great distinctions. He talks about the difference between positive and negative rights, help us identify four qualities that make them categorically different. So I'd like to go through these four qualities from the article because this is what blew me away about the article. This is really well done in 16 pages or whatever it is. Yes, um, yes. So let's take these in order, at least the order he laid them out. Number one, negative rights are absolute. Positive rights are not. So negative rights can be enjoyed absolutely in a way positive rights cannot. The positive right to health care, well, how much health care does that entail? When has the positive duty been fulfilled? If I, if a doctor saves your life, is that enough? I mean, are they going to have to stay there and monitor you or see you regularly to keep the whole, the, the right holder alive for one extra day, but nobody's claiming that if not, however, then what are they claiming? He asks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a great question. <laughs> Fantastic question. Um, and then he goes on to say when the NHS, the national health service in the UK decided to bar obese people and smokers from certain types of non-urgent surgery, those unfortunate cast outs must have wondered, 
I thought I had a right to health care. But if experts are deciding how much health care someone receives, then the issue is being resolved by considerations other than the rights claim. Positive rights are inconclusive. They're insoluble. That's an excellent point. And yeah. one only a philosopher would, would tend to make, right? <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. In fact, I, I, I circled that word inconclusive because I think that, that we have to understand what we mean when we say inconclusive. It's not like the investigation was inconclusive. The, the, in other words, you, you cannot in any way uh, uh, draw a circle around it and say this is included or is not included. That's what he means by inconclusive. Inconclusive. Yep. Right. <clears throat> what do you and, and it often just they make them more difficult or insoluble? What do you think he means by insoluble? I, I knew you'd be able to parse the words. That's why I didn't bother because I knew you would. But <laughs> insoluble is even more interesting to me than inconclusive. Right, insoluble means you 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 can't you can't uh, water it down either, right? So you you can't you can't soluble meaning liquefy it, add more water to it, make it dissolve more and be more and more opaque. So you can't get to any level of granularity because there will always be another level of granularity underneath it. And and this is how I love how he contrasts it to the negative right, like say the negative right to life. He says those are fully answered by the right claim. In other words, it, it, it it's not inconclusive at all. It's very conclusive. You have a right to life. You have a right to free press or uh, free speech. You have a right to bear arms, right? But that doesn't mean that they can't be curtailed. So we do have time, place, and manner restrictions, for example, on free free speech. Absolutely. When people say they're a free speech absolutist, you, you can always scratch the surface and come up with, well, but you don't agree with inciting to violence or imminent violence or things. I mean, we do curtail some of these rights for sure. Right. And again, time, place and manner restrictions are total. Uh, we, we have a right to speech, but we do not have a right to, to honk our horn in our, our driveway at, for our neighbors at two o'clock in the morning. Because right. the, the reason of course is, is that in that case, what you're doing is you're harming their right to the, peace and quiet of a, uh, of evening, which is another right. Then, by the way, the, the one of the important things is, is while we tend to, to and I rattled them off earlier in this segment, the, 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 the right, the, the negative rights, they are also, un, we, we cannot list them. They're, they are ultimately infinite. We, we have them down to a set of categories, but they go far beyond that. And I think that it's important to, to note that, that we, we haven't drawn the circle necessarily around what those rights are that are negative. That can expand. Right, right. And I also love this. He says, there's no plausible reason for politicians to consider taking away negative rights from entire classes of people. They couldn't, for example, proclaim that stealing from smokers or the, or the obese is legal. So negative rights, you can't pull, but positive rights, you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, because you can limit the, the treatment that you're going to get, which, you know, this is this is why when you get to this no, notion is universal health care, that it's it's just flat out wrong. There's there inevitably going to be someone is going to be making decisions whether um, what health care to provide. And, and, you know, they'll say, well, let's defer to those experts. But once you say, well, isn't that the same as death panels? Well, no, no, that's not. That's a different thing. Well, 
Is well, it is though? It? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he says, what are they saying? You know, uh, my, your right to privacy doesn't mean I have to buy you Venetian blinds or curtains. Correct. Right. Correct. It imposes no obligation to me, which is going to take us into his second category, um, which I'll just set up and maybe we can take a break and spend a little bit more time on this. But his second category is negative rights are scalable, positive rights are not. And this is, this is a point I, I'd never heard before, never read before on this issue. And it's just an excellent point. So I'm going to really look into diving that diving into that with you. But Ed, why don't we take our first break? And folks, we'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoeverisage.com. You can also check out our Patreon channel and become a patron member. And that is at patreon.com slash TSOE. And of course, that channel is now sponsored by 90 Minds. More minds are better than one. You can check out their work at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors, including Bookskeeping Franchise, where you can learn about franchising opportunities in the bookkeeping space. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor. Bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855-935-2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about negative and positive rights, and we're bouncing off an article that Trevor Burris wrote for Fee, Is Healthcare a Human Right? 
and he lays out four distinguishing characteristics that help us um, draw distinctions between these uh, uh, positive and negative rights. And the second one is negative rights are scalable, positive rights are not. And he gives a thought experiment. If we doubled the population tomorrow, it'd be easy for every new person on the planet to admit killing you, <laughs> not stealing your stuff, right? right. And all, all of that. So that, <laughs> that's very good. Uh, the scalability of neg negative rights makes them truly universal rights. Mm -hmm. That's that. That's an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> no matter really no matter how many how many people we have on the planet, they will all be entitled to those those negative rights. So. And he says, positive rights, in contrast, are not universal. They're conferred by virtue of one's legal status, such as citizenship. This means uh, they can be taken away at the caprice of government officials. So he points out, Ed, in 2009, under the Massachusetts universal health care system, 31,000 legal, legal, not illegals, legal immigrants have their state subsidized health insurance scaled back in order to count it, counter budget shortfalls, it underscores the fundamental difference between positive and negative rights. Mm -hmm. It's right. just not scalable. You can't even right. double the population. You only have to increase it by 31,000 and you can't <laughs> afford it. So we're going to have to cut it back. So that's yes. a really good point. It's a Hayekian, a Hayekian point, but it's an excellent point. Yeah. The, the pushback here that, that I typically, and he does mention this in the article is when I'm having this conversation with non-libertarians, um, they'll, they'll say something like, well, what about, you know, uh, the, if you're, if you're stabbed and the police investigate your crime and put you in prison or put that person in prison, are, are, isn't that a, a positive, right? Because others are obliged to pay for the court costs and all that. And he makes a great distinction. He says, no, no, you not being stabbed is a separate question from, are you in Title to to justice afterwards, right. and that and that and that and that is actually a tough point even for the, the the folks who are on the extreme side who want you know no government whatsoever the anarchist side say well who should pay for that then if 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 all right yes you have this right but there's got to be someone who's going to enforce it and this gets to you know the night watch, watchman state or minarchist state it's probably the best one of the best arguments for minarchism rather rather than uh anar pure, pure anarchism too so right and and there, there's two rights and we'll get to this later probably next segment uh, where there, there's actually one positive right in our constitution that i can identify possibly two but i think the second one is more common practice or laws in various states, but we, we can talk about that. So it is interesting that there is a positive right embedded in our constitution. Mm -hmm. But the third category that he brings up, third characteristic is negative rights can easily exist together. Positive rights cannot. And this goes back to the scalability thing as well, mm -hmm. but he says people can't take on an infinite number of duties to omission um, or, or they can take on an infinite number, you know, not to harm you, not, you know, all of that, but they can only take on a finite number of duties to act the right to healthcare, education, clean water, a vacation, Ed, mm -hmm. <laughs> then what happens when there is a conflict between two affirmative duties? And he points out again, another great example, the European union declared that traveling for vacation is a human right. And it, it announced its plans to subsidize travel for disadvantaged people. Yet there, there is also a right to health care in the European Union. So what happens when a doctor's right to go on vacation encounters a patient's right to health care? 
Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these conflicts are solved by policy experts and politicians. Once right. again, we see the invocation of a positive right failing to solve the moral question, ultimately just kicking it upstairs instead, whereas negative rights can exist together simultaneously. Philosophers such as Hiller Steiner and others have called this, and I love that, I got to ask you about this, they've called this trait compossibility or the ability to exist together, negative rights are composable. Positive rights are incomposable. Yeah. I got nothing on that one. I've read that word. And I was like, well, that's a new one for me. That's uh, <laughs> It was a new one for me too. And I've read quite a bit on this topic. And that was really, guess why I really, really appreciated this article. You can tell this guy has, I think it's a master's. It may, I don't think it's a PhD, but I think it's a master's in philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you get this level of granularity, but I loved it. And then of course, the fourth characteristic he points out Unless you had anything else to say on the third, by the way. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Uh, The fourth is negative duties are universally shared. Positive duties are not. So negative rights, the corollary duties are equally shared by all duty holders. No one is exempt from the obligation not to kill, steal, or assault. With positive rights, however, the corollary duties are not equally shared. Who has to provide the health care? How much do they have to provide? Negative right claims require no additional moral considerations. And that's a really good point. I mean, this is one of the things that bugs me about uh, nationalized health care is now the doctor is an employee of the state. What if the doctor doesn't want to treat me because he doesn't like me? Mm-hmm. He has, he, he's got some type of moral duty now to do so. Um, and I, I just think that brings up conflicts that we don't need. Well, this gets it gets right to the whole fair share conversation, right? Because now what he's saying here is, okay, different people have to pay, potentially pay different amounts for certain things in order to to to, to have, fulfill that duty of the the uh, the positive rights. So right, and he also points out that positive rights is to to, to healthcare specifically is little more than a politically contingent claim to some healthcare, revocable and modifiable by morally irrelevant factors like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you're a smoker. Oh, you're obese. Well, that's not a moral judgment. That's a judgment, but it's not a moral judgment. Well, well, it it is and it isn't. I mean, it's it's a societal judgment that says, well, smoking has fallen out of favor. So therefore, what we can do is we can get them smokers and most of the people, the rest of the people will be like, oh, that's fine. That's okay. Right. He even points out when smokers made up a larger percentage of the British electorate, the NHS would have yeah. dreamed <laughs> of, no. of limiting health care, right, or, or certain surgeries or whatever. Right. And it's, all, it's only, only because we, we've gotten to the point where we become, quote, health conscious over the years that we do, don't uh, view obesity as a, as a good thing. You know, back in, back in the in earlier centuries, obesity was was considered to be, to be a good thing or, you know, you wanted <laughs> to you want it was it was proof of your wealth. Right. It was Roy's <laughs> point. You wanted fat people around you. Oh, because that's they from have Shakespeare. Longer, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they yeah, have a longer Shakespeare- time span. Than- yeah. Me men about mount me who are fat because yeah, Yeah. Uh, he he of course points out no one has a right to make poor decisions and expect others to bear the cost, which is always the frustrating thing about helmet laws or seatbelt or whatever. People say, well, if they get in the wreck, we're going to end up footing the bill. That's that's that that's the problem. 
the problem is, yeah, you, because you're going to have to pay for their health care. If, if people had to pay for their own heirs in judgment, mm-hmm. then that wouldn't be an issue. Right. Correct. Um, and then, he, of course, he points out that uh, a positive right is less a human right and more a political right, which is very interesting because, I mean, think about Social Security. Oh, I have a right to my Social Security. No, you really don't. There's a court case on this, Nestor versus mm-hmm something um we have no rights in our social security none congress none. can scrap it tomorrow yep yep it actually it actually says that straight out it, in it does <laughs> it does in nestor it's a very interesting case it, People yeah, it can absolutely just go away tomorrow and yeah because there's no lockbox with your name on it in washington ron just so you know to, to <laughs> make sure you're you're clear and then he, he talks about whether it's morally proper to deny people health care based on their membership in politically unpopular groups like smokers, the obese, whatever. Even if it is proper, is it correct to call that a right? What about homosexuals? And when AIDS swept through the community, he talks about that. Relying on politics seems fine until you're on the other side. Exactly the point. Because at some point you will find yourself on the other side. This is This is my big... A hammer against executive orders too is like everybody's like oh we you know but we like the executive orders that our guy does but you know the executive orders that the other the other team does that's that's not good that those, that's not good those are yeah <laughs> but it's the same thing and 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 you said this at the start and i'll just reiterate how he says it he said if we can find no such right he's talking about health care it doesn't mean the healthcare is unimportant or that we don't have other moral obligations related to the health and well-being of our fellow citizens. Of course we do. This is why we have charity, civil society, pro bono work, you know, all those types of things. Um, so I just this this just was an excellent article, very well done in in 17 pages on on a somewhat complex topic and and misunderstood. Oh, but without question, without question. But this goes back a long, long time, Ron, this, this notion. Now, the concept of positive rights, that, or, the, or I shouldn't say the concept, the, the using of that language is relatively new. I think it's only since the, like the 1940s or 50s where the term positive rights has evolved around this. But it, it has been around a long, long time. Even, even Bastiat talks about it in, in one of his uh, letters that he wrote back and forth with somebody. Um, it, he, he, because he was he was debating this notion of liberty and fraternity that was part of the re- revolution, right? So liberty, of course, is your individual right, but then the fraternity was uh, th- was this their notion of of positive rights that we have an obligation to those around us. And he says it's quite impossible for me to conceive of fraternity as legally enforced without liberty being legally destroyed and justice being legally trampled underfoot. So this this concept goes back. I'm sure it goes back even further to Aristotle and the Greeks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can find it in John Locke, David Hume, and Edmund Burke. They talk about natural rights consist of rights to be free from interference. Of mm-hmm. course, with these rights come certain obligations or duties not to interfere with the rights of others. These are known, and and I've read this as well. Sometimes this is referred to as negative obligations and positive obligations, mm. which is also another interesting thing that you see pop up in philosophy. Um, but meaning one does not interfere with the liberty of others. Positive obligations, on the other hand, require some persons or institutions to provide for others, um, you know, medical care, welfare. Uh, even Ayn Rand wrote about this quite eloquently, I might 
state uh, in her book, Capitalism, the Unknown Idea, which was published in 1966. And maybe when we come back from our break, we can uh, talk about what Ayn Rand said about this. So uh, in the meantime, folks, I'd like to remind you again, if you want to contact Ed or me, send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Do go out and rate this podcast, and uh, we will read your review, good, bad, or ugly, on the air at ratethispodcast slash TSOE. And now, a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We are talking about the very esoteric topic today of negative rights versus positive rights. Ron, this is such a soul of enterprise topic. There's, it I is. mean, this is right up our alley. Classically <laughs> in the wheelhouse. So for, so for, for those of you who are in, in listening, we, we really do appreciate it. Uh, so I, I want to talk about this, that it's not that positive rights necessarily don't exist in the libertarian mind. They do. But they have to first be it has to be through, be through contract. So once once you are under contract for a certain thing, then you do have the right to certain things if there's been an executed contract around that particular thing. So they don't exist until they're created by contract. But then so positive rights do exist, but there's got to be another step that's involved. And that's the other thing that I think negative right negative rights don't really have. We don't, we don't need any a contract to enforce it. They just are, which is why they're sometimes referred to, as you said earlier, Ron, as natural rights. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the, the thing that, that this is how this applies to business in general. And I'd like to get your, your take on this uh, is what it, what is your right? At, as a say a healthcare provider, not to perform certain procedures that you don't want to perform. You can't say to a podiatrist, "I w- you must perform brain surgery on me." Right. 
you have that, do you have that right to say just because they're a, a licensed physician doesn't mean that you can insist that they do something that they don't feel that they're capable of doing and yeah. vice versa can that is there something that the doctor say no I, I I refuse to perform that surgery because I'm opposed to it in some way I I don't I don't think that that's that, that and it, it doesn't even have to be something controversial it just can be I don't think that this is the right thing for this individual to do that you can't that you can't, the patient can't insist well, I think you still need to give me that stent if the surgeon says, I don't think you need the stent. <laughs> yep. And uh, it's a great point. And I think this is what, the, the, you know, that, that line, you know, tough cases make bad law. This, this certainly applies in this case. I mean, I do think there's times when even a competent surgeon will mm-hmm. look, you, look at you and say, I'm not comfortable doing the surgery. I'm going to send you to X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z surgeon mm-hmm. because this is all they do. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot. Right. And and that's in their wheelhouse. It's not like they don't have, I mean, they have due care responsibility, right? Sure. Only do things that you're competent at doing. Sure. They have to cross that threshold, but even when they do have that due care, they can still bow out if they don't think it, it's they're they're good at it. And that's just a competency issue. Not even the right issue that you're talking about. Like does, does a, does a hospital have a right to not do abortions? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, these are tough issues. Very hard issues, but does an accountant have a right to 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 not uh, get, perform his or her d- d- duties on somebody that they think might be a cheat that they don't know about? They can't prove it. <laughs> Absolutely. Do they have a right not to take on a cannabis, mm-hmm. you know, customer because they think they're laundering money or something, or any business might be or any, bi- might, any, might, business. any business, not just cannabis. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I and I do think that right exists because, like you said, by contract, it's that. That also implies by contract, doesn't it? It's voluntary. That's it is voluntary, and th- and this is probably again the views views here on my own, not on my employers. And I, I think this is probably one of the least controversial. But I I think that that businesses should have a right to refuse service. Period. Now you might say, well, what about somebody who says who refuses to to you know do the uh, a wedding cake for someone that they disagree with? Can you have a Jewish baker who says I won't do wedding cakes for for Muslims? I think the answer's got to be yes. I mean, I, it, it, we, we should we should should be able to write review service. And personally, if you're if, if especially when there's bigotry involved, true bigotry, yeah. I personally like the fact that bigots self-identify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because then I can avoid them too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, I think that's a hard one for people to wrap up their head around, especially when you're talking about a business that serves the public. You know, that means mm-hmm. all members of the public, but. We also have free right of association mm-hmm. and the, the, again, those come into conflict. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Really good it's point. A tough, tough, hard. I mean, I'm not saying that this is easy and that, it, but, but, it, but you can't say that. And because it's not easy, it should be talked about. We need to have these conversations to, to make our way through some of these difficult choices. So anyway, just wanted to bring that up and say that this is how this negative versus positive rights relates to the businesses that we we do on a daily basis. We we should be able to decide whether or not who we want to serve to a certain or to, to most degrees, period. There should be I believe there should be an absolute right of that. Right. And another thing I think about it, and this is a somewhat petty issue but not really because it's subject to a lot of people do this you sign these uh not to compete clauses Mm -hmm. like if you're a fast food worker and that means if you quit mcdonald's you know you're not technically allowed to go to burger king and work 
I, I think that's insane. And I also think courts have figured out that's kind of insane and they tend not to enforce those things, mm-hmm. but they're still written in the contracts a lot and people sign them. Mm-hmm. Well, funny you should bring that up because I think that one of the ways that this has manifested itself is this goes back to a, a speech during a, a state of the union address that was given by, by Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1944, where he proposed what he called his second bill of rights or his bill of economic rights. Now, some of these, I think you and I would be, yeah, that makes sense and might even, in fact, be a positive right. And so when I say the, say the, the phrase, Ron, right to work, what does that mean to you? Well, to me, it means right to enter into an occupation that I want to do. This goes back to the work that the Institute of Justice does and without a license. Mm-hmm. Without a license and or not have to join a, a union, perhaps. Right. Yep, absolutely. And so, so I, you know, I, is, is that is that a positive right or a negative right? Doesn't necessarily require an obligation on somebody else's part that I, as long as I'm willing to contractually obligate myself to it. Right. And but, this, if you, but if you have a right to work, I think in the context he meant it is you have a right to a job, and then in today's parlance, you have a right to a job at a living wage. Well, right. And that, that, that's where we, that's where we that, start to get this, this, this right. now. And then the rest of these are a little bit interesting an adequate income, food, shelter, or education, farm rights to, sh- to r- farmers rights to a fair income. Again, who defines this fair stuff for uh, freedom from uncare, uh, unfair competition and monopolies. <laughs> Again, who defines it now, you know, monopoly, we can actually define, but nobody agrees what a monopoly is. That's another show we could do, Ron, because yep. it, and we have, it, yeah, well, we have, we've, we, we have. have talked about that way, way back is, is Pepsi and, and Coke a monopoly? No, it's a duopoly, totally different thing. Um, decent housing, who defines decent, adequate medical care. Okay. We're back. We've talked a little bit about that. And this is where he also introduced social security and education. Uh, to things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I always bring up the universal UN's universal declaration of human rights. You know, you've got a right to a adequate uh, wage job and at an adequate wage, living wage. You've got a right to a vacation. Like Trevor pointed out, you've got a right to healthcare. You've got a right to clothing, shelter, certain caloric intake per day, all of those things. But those are all positive rights mm-hmm. and they, they impose obligations on other people. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the way our system was set up. In fact, here's what Ayn Rand said. And I, I've quoted three paragraphs here in my, in my ethics okay. stuff from her. And I'll just read you the highlights. She says, rights are a moral concept guiding relationships with others. Like you said, if we were, you know, Robinson Crusoe on the mm-hmm. desert island, right? We wouldn't have to worry about this. Um, individual rights are the means of subordinating society to moral law. Since there is no such entity as society, that meant that rulers of society were exempt from moral law. So they held total power and exacted blind obedience, you know, from their subjects. She says the most profoundly revolutionary achievement of the United States of America was the subordination of society to, to moral law. All previous systems had regarded man as sacrificial means to the ends of others and society as an end in itself. The United States regarded man as an end in himself, and that the only moral purpose of a government is the protection of individual rights. That's Ayn Rand from Capitalism, the Unknown Idea, 1966. Mm. Very good year. Very good year, Ron. That, that was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and of course, 
when you talk about natural rights, it's always pointed out natural rights theorists believe that without freedom, there is no virtue since a coerced virtue is no virtue at all. Mm-hmm. That's always talked about in, in this uh, topic as well. So, and you you mentioned this, the, the, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights of the UN, and it's very similar in structure. The, the first set of them are all what we have been talking about today would be considered negative rights. The right to life, liberty, and security of person. No one should be held under slavery or servitude. No one shall be subjected to torture, cruel and inhumane or degrading punishment. Everyone has a right to recognition everywhere of as a person before the law. Uh, uh, no one should be subject to arbitrary arrest, detention. So they're, I mean, they they, they kind of go through and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm digging on these. This is this is this is all great. Uh, but then then we start to talk about some other things, which you know, everyone has the right to freedom of movement, residence within within the borders of each state. Notice now you're curtailing rights because you're saying within the borders of mm-hmm. of the state. Mm-hmm. So is it? But do you have this right to travel? Um, I thought this one is the most interesting. Everyone has the right to a nationality. I'm not even sure I know what that means. Why would you have a right to a nationality? Mm. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. Boy, they just this is why their constitutions that they write in these various countries become, you know, 2,000 pages. Because like you said, they're trying to come up with infinite rights that you, you know, lay them out, whereas negative mm-hmm. rights kind of cover them without stating them. Like mm-hmm. I have a right to eat Rice Krispies in the morning with a bowler hat on. That's not mentioned anywhere, but it's certainly <laughs> within my right to do it. And they, there's also the right to freedom of association and peaceable assembly that are listed in here to take part in, in the government of their choice. But then then they get into some of the. But when we're getting now to Article 23, the right to work, free choice of employment and to just and favorable conditions of work and to the protection against unemployment. Okay. See, the protection against unemployment is a biggie. That's a big positive, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, government can't dictate what jobs are going to exist and not exist or what's necessary or unnecessary. We saw that during COVID. Mm-hmm. Necessary versus unnecessary workers. That was completely arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. But how about this one? Everyone has the right to rest and leisure, including reasonable imita- uh, limitation of working hours and periodic holidays with pay. Yeah, see, another positive right. Who gets to decide what these are? So, and any again, I think one of the better ways of also thinking about this is objective versus subjective. Most of the stuff that we would be, in summary, the negative rights are very objective. You can draw a circle around them and say this is objective, whereas the other stuff is is far more subjective and, and requires further definition. But we're up against our last break. Want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows don't forget that we have a patreon channel out there if you want to listen to the show commercial free go to patreon.com slash tsoe and sign up for that you also get our bonus episodes which we record usually right after all of our shows on friday but right now a word from our sponsor and my employer sage a little birdie told me voice america is on x follow us at voice america trn Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, 
This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about negative and positive rights. And Ed, I, I've always loved Peter Block's definition that liberty is the absence of coercion and freedom is a choice. You know, you're free to... to bind yourself to a wife and be faithful or a religion and follow its precepts, whatever. And sometimes you hear negative rights referred to as liberties and you hear positive rights referred to as entitlements. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Williamson said this, he said, there's a logical fallacy of positive rights, pretty obvious problems. If you think about it for a minute, specifically healthcare is a right. Declaring a right in a scarce good, such as healthcare, is intellectually void because moral declarations about rights do not change material facts. If you have five children and three apples and then declare that every child has a right to an apple of his own, then you have five children and three apples and some meaningless posturing. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, it's only so many doctors, MRI machines, right? This imposes real constraints on the provision of healthcare. If a doctor works 40 hours a week, does my right to health care mean that a judge can order him to work extra hours to accommodate my rights? Does he have to do so for free? Uh, negative right is not, uh, you know, it's constrained in the same way. It's It's not rivalrous. Negative right is, you know, non-rivalrous. We can all enjoy it at the same time, just mm-hmm. like reading a book or, or whatever. Larry Reed, who I believe is at Hillsdale, points out you have a right to your life, your thoughts, your speech, your material property, raise and educate your children as you see fit, live in peace and freedom. You don't have a right to, you know, high-speed broadband, cheeseburgers, cheap wine, or even expensive wine, um, the labor of another person, medical care, taxpayer-funded, whatever. Anything that's not yours conscript the other people's children into schools you think they should attend or free stuff in general. Anything a po- politician flattered you with by claiming you have a right to it is something you do not have a right to. So, so two, two quick things on just by way of wrap up on this and always, but one, you can, you can contract for this stuff. 
So yes. I think it's imp- I think it's important yes. to note that we're not saying that that this stuff doesn't exist. It does exist. Positive rights do exist, but they exist in the in relationship to a contract. Sure. And two, this does not mean that that a doctor who voluntarily does pro bono work at a clinic is somehow uh, a in violation of this notion of positive and negative rights. That, that's that's wonderful and beautiful and a, a, a fantastic thing for people to do. Absolutely, volunteering, charity—you uh, know, those are virtues in our, mm-hmm. which is why we do so much of it. Now, the rights that I mentioned Ed, that were positive enshrined in our constitution—I can think of a couple. You mentioned it already: right to a jury. Mm-hmm. That's a positive right that right. imposes Trial by obligations. Jury. Yep. Uh, so does legal defense. Right. Mm-hmm. You have a right to an attorney if you can afford one. Right. Right out mm-hmm. of the Miranda rights. And the other one, and this isn't in the Constitution, but I think it's custom orphans. Go deeper. What do you mean? Orphans. Society feels that it has an obligation to take care of children whose mm. parents died or or whatever. Right. And that's why we have orphanages and uh, uh, families that volunteer for this type of thing again back to contracting voluntarily right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i mean that is something the state will spend resources on that i think everybody can agree so we're not saying there's no such thing as a positive right a jury trial is a positive right Mm -hmm. so is defense counsel and i think orphans would be in that category and i think there's more i just can't think of any but i i know there's more well, I, I would. I, the only thing I'd question on the 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 orphan piece is that I know that the found foundling hospitals. There used to be one in every major city. In fact, that the, the, the New York foundling hospital still exists. It doesn't do what it does it did back then, uh, but that, that they they were there to serve orphans. But it was a it's a it was a private charitable institution. It wasn't sure. a state agency. So sure, and that's what we had prior to the welfare state of the thirties, twenties. Sure. You know, we had all these civil organizations. I mean, there was even groups that you know band together and had health insurance you know for the members and all well, of that. little interesting little known fact that the the catholic organization the knights of columbus one of mm. the found the founding principles of that was to provide insurance yep yep i remember that to, to uh, its members yeah so. marvin marvin olasky wrote a great book about the compassion of the united states i forget the title it's a great title but uh it talked about the knights of columbus a lot um, yeah, it was very interesting. So, and I've got one, um, this is out of fee again, why the ethics of would you kill baby Hitler are more important than you think. The 2000, I, I know, I know this is John, John Miltimore out of fee on uh, Monday, October 31st, 2022. Every now and then this meme goes around about, would yeah, you kill right. Baby, oh, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, yeah, of uh, course. There's a little picture of Hitler, you know, and as a baby and uh, the 2002 Twilight Zone episode, which means they they brought Twilight Zone back. We'll have to ask Greg about that. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, the, the show was called Cradle of Darkness Toys with a Simple Question. Can an evil act murder be justified if its consequences are sufficiently positive? And in this episode um, directed by somebody whose name I can't pronounce, I'm not even going to try, written by Cameron Pasha, stars. Catherine Heigl is a young woman sent back in time to Austria in 1889 to rewrite history by killing Adolf Hitler when he's just a baby. They tell her before they time travel her that he, this baby's responsible for 60, the deaths of 60 million people. Uh, would you kill baby Hitler in 2015? The New York times asked if you could go back and kill Hitler as a baby, would you do it? 
42% said yes, they'd kill Hitler in, in infancy. 28% said they weren't sure. Just 30% gave the definitive no, saying that you would not kill a child. Um, this is a more dramatic version of the trolley problem. Right. This is a time travel trolley it, problem is what this is. Right, right. This <clears throat> is an act of, you know, commission, not just flicking a switch like right. in the trolley. Uh, and he points out that religious people tend to say it would be wrong to murder Hitler in his cradle. Ben Shapiro dealt with this on one of his shows, and he said baby Hitler uh, was a baby. You know, you can't kill a baby. Um, and then writing in Vox in response to Shapiro's answer. Dylan Matthews called Shapiro's comments baffling. You don't have to be a diehard utilitarian to think one baby is an acceptable price to pay to save tens of millions of lives, wrote Matthews. Certain strong assumptions must be made, must be met before such an action could be taken. Um, but, you know, the larger ethic they look at is consequentialism. Well, you're going to save 60 million lives and kill one baby. So, um, yeah, it, it's an it, it's an interesting thought experiment. He then goes and points out that Dr. King in the civil rights movement had seen violence as a moral, uh, did not see violence as a moral, you know, an appropriate tool for social revolution. Um, in spite of temporary victories, violence never brings permanent peace. Essentially, King saw the means we use matter more than the ends we seek. Um and other people have written about this, and um, the greater good is frustratingly elusive anyway. Well, point one is you get first got to you got to invent time travel, so that's that yes. that makes this kind of like a little bit. But uh, absolutely, in in my view, the 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 issue for me would be is you don't unlike the trolley problem where the trolley problem is a clear path of one versus five, or when do you flip the switch? The, I, what is unsaid in this whole Hitler, Hitler problem is, is it 60 million or by killing Hitler, do you end up killing 80 million? Because it's, right. it, it's somebody else more competent <laughs> comes in and does these evil things. So you really don't know what the ramifications of that are because maybe you kill Hitler and then that allows Stalin to do more of, of what he did. So, so there's all of these other ramifications that you can't possibly take right. yourself through. These You're playing God, even in the yeah. trolley problem, That's you right. know, which is, yeah. which is how Rabbi Lappin would answer. Um, it is interesting. And I thought Shapiro gave a pretty interesting response also to the question. He said, the best thing to do would be move hit baby Hitler to another family and hope he's not raised in the same way. There you go. Um, oh. But well, actually anyway. his mom, well, anyway, long, long, long yeah. story there. Yeah. All right, Ron, yeah, what sure. do we got coming up next week? Next week, Ed, we're going to talk to Colin. Is it Grabo? Grabo. Grabo. Grabo um, on the Jones Act. And of course, I'm sure other nefarious things that keep us from having nice things. So a Cato guy. So right. it'll be a in great the meantime, show. go to has Congress repealed the Jones act.com just to make sure. And if that turns to yes, between now and next Friday, well then Colin's not going to be on the show. Just saying. Yeah. I'd still love to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll see you in 167 hours. Ed. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time 
In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll have full show notes on the articles that we talked today and where you can access them. Also, you can contact Ed or me at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.